Gen Z is the opportune um, generation to do this with because they are skeptical of college degree paths. They watch their Gen X, you know, like me, <laughs> parents and their millennial parents um, go through recessions and lose their jobs regardless of the degrees or accolades they had, you know, after their Hello, innovators. I'm Todd Wyant, and welcome to the Bridging the Gap podcast presented by Applied Software Great Tech Group. You're invited to join our conversation to model the future of construction innovation and the digital transformation adventure of this great industry. My guest today is Erin Volk. She's the Senior Vice President of Workforce and Community Development for the Associated General Contractors of California, which represents more than 1,000 construction companies and construction-related firms throughout California. She currently holds a seat on the AGC of America Construction Careers Task Force as well. Welcome to the show, Erin. Hi, welcome. Happy to be here. Thanks for the invitation. Absolutely. Super excited to uh, be having this conversation. It's been a, a long time coming, so I'm glad yes. to, to take the, the time and, and really unpack uh, kind of the, the future of, of workforce. Well, my path was a bit unconventional. Um, I actually joined AGC of California 13 years ago, and that was my first, um, you know, work in the industry. So I've been here um, ever since. And I actually discovered this um, position open on Craigslist back when Craigslist wasn't creepy, you know, uh, for job searches. And prior to that, I had been doing very different work. Um, I was working in social justice and um, in the area of um, uh domestic violence, stalking, and um, sexual assault um, with college students across the country um, and working on Department of Justice grants. So I came from a social justice lens um, and also having worked with higher ed in the grant space and management space. And at the time, um, AGC was looking for an executive director for the Construction Education Foundation, which is our 501c3, that we operate all of our workforce development programs under. I still hold that title as well. So you could imagine saying both of those you know, a couple times a day, it's, it's, it's a lot. Um, but, but really, um, I came in because I had that experience working with youth and working with, um, you know, funders and writing grants, reporting on grants. And that was a space that the foundation was looking to move into. So I had to learn everything I know about construction careers on the job. Um, and I was lucky to have many, many amazing mentors in this industry along the way. Um, and now I, I pay that forward to all the staff that works for us um, in the current climate of ADC. Yeah. I love that. I'm a happy accident stumbling my way into construction almost 10 years ago as well, uh, having never even thought about construction exactly. before yeah. that. <laughs> well, and it's funny because the same things that we tell students now in terms of how to find construction careers and how valuable they were, my parents were Teamsters and they spent my whole upbringing telling me I was going to college and I was going to have a career outside of an industry like construction. And so that's been a really valuable, um, you know, um, perspective and, and experience to hold as I worked at work now in this a space of knowing exactly what kids are facing around gatekeepers and and the, the tapes that are in their head and the misperceptions that are in their head about our industry because I lived it. And then yeah. I found my way back anyways. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I think that that pendulum is, is swinging for mm -hmm. sure back to maybe not the, the other side, but it, it's there's some uh -huh reason coming in of it doesn't have to be college or, or bus and it's, it's not, you know, college is not the only path to success anymore. 
And the exciting thing right now, and we'll talk a lot more about this, I'm sure, is Gen Z is the opportune um, generation to do this with because they are skeptical of college degree paths. They watch their Gen X, you know, like me, <laughs> parents and their millennial parents um, go through recessions and lose their jobs regardless of the degrees or accolades they had, you know, after their name. And so um, they're really looking at security, job security, and they are not bought into college career paths. So it's a really opportune time for us as an industry to come together and laser focus on how we get them to um, find their way to us. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I love your your backstory on it and the, the unconventional path coming into construction. What A, kind of pulled you into construction from that background and and B, what, what were some of the, the learning hurdles that you had to kind of adapt to and, and overcome? Sure. So in the interview process, I, I actually had the opportunity to meet a few of the industry folks who were on the CEF board at the time. And I was just so um, pulled in by their passion around the next generation. Um, they had all of the desire and the passion, but they didn't have the how um, in terms of making it happen um, from a organized <laughs> nonprofit or um, education campaign sort of standpoint. Um, so I just saw so much opportunity. And Obviously, you can see the connection back to my old work. I am really um, driven by the ability to make impact and change lives um, and to lead folks to a better life. And so for me, I had the understanding and knew what my parents were able to provide for me. So all along while they were telling me, you know, go to college, you're not going to be successful unless you do. We were the only, you know, family in the neighborhood with a pool, you know, and in a very socially, economically, you know, impacted area. And so my perspective was split because I knew what they were able to provide. Um, they both have pensions. My mom retired before she was 55 um, with a full pension. Um, and so I really did know all of the, you know, benefits that come with, you know, hardworking folks who want to make, you know, a very um, valuable and um, an honorable career for themselves. So that's the perspective I came in with of like, hey, I went to school in an area, like I said, that it wasn't, you know, a place where we talked about construction careers. And I entered my freshman year of high school with a thousand students and we graduated with 232. They didn't all transfer, right? And I know how much uh, information like this and access and that support to take that next step would have made in a community like the one I grew up in um, for so many folks. And it would have ended generational poverty, to be perfectly honest. So that's what drives me. That's what drove me in. And that's what continues to drive me in the work today. Yeah. What is something that you wish people really believed about the industry that they, they don't right now? You know, they don't. What I wish they knew, I wish the broader society knew, is how... Um, how lucrative our industry is um, and, and the opportunities that are there. We are the only industry that you can still start at what is considered the bottom, right? And work your way up to potentially a CEO without a college degree. Right. There's very few industries that, you know, remain um, accessible in that way. And then just how amazing the people are. The people that work in construction are so proud of what they do every day. And I want to be that conduit to connect that industry um, who is so proud of, of what they do and, and how they do it every day to showcase that for the youth who honestly, Gen Z, they're looking for an employer. They're looking for a career path where they can 
impact something bigger than themselves. They want to be part of something bigger. They want to give back to their communities. And, and given that, like we're the perfect fit. So that's the piece I wish we could um, really get to the masses on. And also to really undo a lot of the stereotypes and um, you know narrative that's out there about us because all of the gatekeepers, the parents, the teachers, you know, they grew up with the same misunderstandings that I did or that maybe you did. And so um, you know, we talk about Build California, our program that's really um, potent, you know, uh, positioned to do this as our opportunity to take back our narrative as an industry and really spread that that word so that students and their gatekeepers really understand what the real opportunities in construction are and how to access them. So, so many wishes, Todd, but the, that's, the, that's, the, that's the overview of it. Yeah. I, I love that you brought up the, the people aspect of it because that, honestly, that's one of my favorite things about the, the industry as well too. And what kind of drew me into in construction uh, of, of falling in love with this industry is that yes. yes, you have people that are extremely proud of what they do and they love going around to the buildings that they built up and being like, I had a yes. part in that. Um, <laughs> but there's also this just really authentically genuine humility that's in the industry as well yes. too. So it's kind of this funny uh, on the surface paradox of, <laughs> of being exactly. very proud of your work, but also not being one to brag about your work. And I, I I think that that's actually part of the problem. It is. Of it is. <laughs> the the stereotypes of that they're not going out and saying, "Hey, this is what's actually happening in the industry. Here's the innovation, here's the the technology that's hitting." And it's it's not the construction industry that it was 50 years ago when exactly. maybe some stereotypes were launched and and born from it. And real. It's really yeah, changed. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why we, we have an opportunity through Build California, our ambassador program, and we drag them in <laughs> and we train them on, you know, how to how to present about your experience um, mm. and also how to present to kids, because that's different than presenting a bid, maybe, or, or out of yeah. the job site and how you speak to, to folks. <laughs> um, yeah. But we, we train them to unlock that so that they can share because most of them want to. They're just afraid of what they don't know or haven't done before. So we try to cultivate that and we've been successful. We have about 65 active ambassadors across the state now, but we're hoping to double that next year. We're actually moving all of our training on demand online so they can do it in the comfort of their home without a live presenter in their face. <laughs> so yeah. we're hoping that helps, but you're absolutely right. I say our current workforce is our best billboard. You know, if we can get them in swag and out at soccer games talking about what, what was Build California? Oh, this is what I do. And I'm, oh, did you know that building over there? That's what I built. So it opens yeah. that dialogue a little bit more authentically for them. Yeah, especially with social media as well, too. I think everybody that is at a company is the brand ambassador. You are the face of that brand for that company. That's who people interact with is you. So you got to, yes. you can't shy away from that. You got to own it. And it doesn't have to be a scary big hurdle. Just, be your authentic self and tell what's actually going yes. on. Tell your story. One of our segments of the training for ambassadors is called um, being a TikTok star, <laughs> like unleashing your inner uh, social media um, uh, influencer. And it's yeah. because you don't realize if you just drop a picture of, hey, this is my office view today, right? And you tag Build California and kids are going to see that because of all the efforts we're putting into amplifying social media for that audience. You're making a huge difference because that generation is all about being authentic. Like if they think it's fake or a sales pitch, they're going to ignore it. But if they see a real right. person showing their real career, um, you know, impact and what they're doing and what their life looks like because of their career, they're far more likely to buy in and say, okay, they're doing it. Maybe it's for me. Yeah. Absolutely. So how do you go about creating 
recruitment and an industry awareness program that the industry likes, but also resonates with people outside of the industry. And, and even from, you know, different walks of life, different generations, different socioeconomic status, different, you know, ethnic backgrounds, a, a whole diverse range. How, how do you thread that needle of industry and outside the industry? Well, Todd, it's not easy. <laughs> I'll <give you> that. <laughs> First of all, I'll tell you that it was a labor of love and hate <laughs> for me throughout the process because it was so exciting. Um, but also, um, it did. It, it takes a lot of effort to get to a place where everyone can find their way and in, in, in place in a campaign like that. So first and foremost, when we started, um, I told our board very, very early on, this is not for you. So we need to make sure that our primary audience is able to hear and absorb and react and hopefully take action from this campaign and program. So all of our messaging, the way we talk, how we post pictures, the video timing and link, um, how we talk about certain trades or jobs, like we're not going to use your language. We're not going to do what we've always done because we, what we've been doing is the definition of insanity. <laughs> so for the last 30 years, we have been marketing to ourselves as industry. We have just been continuing to do the same thing we've always done and expecting different results. And it's not going to work, especially when we're thinking about the tactics of outreach, because I came in and I opened, you know, several flyers with, I'm sorry, older white gentlemen. <laughs> and that was the only representation, right? And if there was a woman or somebody uh, from a from an underserved background, they were usually um, secondary characters, or they were, you know, wearing clean hard hats, or they're in suits and heels on a job site. Um, so they weren't, it wasn't a real, right? Right. Um, Your and stereotypical stock image. <laughs> exactly. Oh my God. My, my team knows there was a mantra to our, our, our brand and they're tired of hearing it, but it's real. No stock photos, <laughs> like no stock photos. It's, you can't. Um, so we were intentional about all of the, doing our research, how does Gen Z react to media? I mean, outside of us, marketing. Um, mm -hmm. What do lifestyle brands other than ours look like? Looking at Army campaigns, because they had gotten it right. I mean, they really kicked our butts in 2010 to 12 while we were taking a back seat waiting for the economy to get better. They went out there with the Army campaign of one, and they convinced students like, hey, if you want a really exciting career and you want to jump out of planes, and hey, we'll pay for your education and get your parents off your back. Like, come look at us, right? Their recruiting went through the roof. And at the same time, they're marketing to parents hey, send your kids to us, we'll take care of them. And we'll also make sure they get a college degree. Okay, sign me up. So much so when we're doing our focus groups in like 2017, 18, we have parents actually telling us, I would rather my kid go infantry army, he'll make more money, or she, and they'll be more successful in the long term and have a longer term career, and they'll be safer. And I love our military folks and respect what they do all day, every day, but we know that is not true from the industry standpoint, right? So we definitely had to get, you know, we had to take those marketing um, lessons and social impact lessons and turn the, turn that lens onto construction. So we did our research on Gen Z. We did focus groups within Gen Z. We made sure that what we were putting out was a pro culturally appropriate for the audience we are trying to bring in. So again, reflecting forward what you want to receive back. So all the images are intentional, the diversity we show is intentional, um, and all targeted around, for us, California's population and the gaps we know we have. We have less than 3% of women in the trades, right? We we're ticking up, but it's not enough. And if you look at our population breakdown, 50 plus percent of 
our available workforce are female. <laughs> and then right. when you dive down into the racial and ethnic diversity, same thing. So that was always our guiding principle and continues to be. Gen Z or Gen Alpha now coming behind them first and how they're going to receive and digest the media and respond to it. And then the secondary audience is influencers and parents. And then the tertiary audience is industry. We need their support and we want them to buy in and feel good about what we're doing um, and support our efforts. But they, that's talking to the choir, right? Um, so primarily we need those other two. And I see so many other campaigns out there um, through their social media, um, especially on I Instagram or TikTok, where they're continually talking to the choir. And that's great because industry support is so important. But if we don't start paying attention to, to that generation we're trying to reach, we're back into the de definition of insanity. And we at Build California yeah. can't do it alone. So it really has to be an industry-wide effort around that, that transition to our focus really being dialed in on um, those consumer habits of the generation we're trying to, to catch. Calling all innovators. In just a few weeks, you can attend a free online training event that could change your work life. BIMUP is for innovative construction professionals like you, offering over 200 classes from May 23rd through the 25th that cover BIM best practices, Revit, AutoCAD, and lots of other topics that can help improve the way you work. I think you'll get a ton of value by attending. To sign up, simply go to asti.com slash BIMUP. Hope to see you there. Yeah, I, I love that because you can't, there's not enough people in the industry to solve our problem. That's why we're in the problem of the labor shortage to begin with. If there were exactly. the people in the industry, we wouldn't have this problem. So we have to go out and, and find new audiences. And I agree. Gen Z is, is ripe for the the picking, if you will, <laughs> to, to come into construction. And it's, it's so they're already 39%. People don't realize, Todd, they're already 39% of our workforce. So we're already, wow. <laughs> we're about to miss that boat. And we already missed the millennial boat. I mean, I have contractors all the time saying, if you could just talk to those darn millennials, I'm like, those darn millennials are parents and teachers. They're right. <laughs> not, right. they're not your audience. <laughs> yeah, we're not as young as what we used to be. <laughs> I still play it off sometimes, Todd. Um, but we need to get down now, alpha and then beta. And most contractors haven't even heard of alpha and beta. So I bring them up and they're like, what? What's going on? Why are we talking about this? So it's so no. important. And if nothing else, look at the numbers. You know, our folks are numbers based. Look at the numbers. If you're trying to reach an X number of people and get them into the industry within the next five years, you look at where we don't have that popula population representation in our industry. It's the generation X, Z, and it's women and folks from underserved communities and or from, you know, like AAPI. We have 3% of AAPI folks in our industry. I think we have less than 10% of Black or African-American folks in our industry. What are we doing to reach out to them and welcome them in and show them that this is an industry for all who want to work mm -hmm. hard and who want a great career? Yeah. I, and I think it, the exposure to the industry is, is massive. The younger that you can go to. So often people are, are trying to get in front of high schoolers and honestly, you're, it's too late. They've already decided pro or against college by the time they get into yeah. high school. We got to go into middle school and, and elementary school even and, and show what's happening in, in construction and what does it actually mean to be in construction? It's in the d diversity mm -hmm. of job opportunities in construction. It's not just swinging a hammer and not that there's anything wrong with that, but it, it, I think exactly. people think there's only this one job in construction and 
Exactly. We both know that's so not true. There's a, a plethora of different career paths that you can do in construction. Yes. And so what we always say is it's so important to get younger, but there's so many boats that were missed at the high school level. And there's so many kids that are still sitting there going, I don't know what I'm going to do um, because mm -hmm. somebody, somebody's trying to push them to college. Right. And they're getting mm -hmm. to their senior year and they're going, Oh no, 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 no. That's not for me. And so what we're seeing is the average age of apprentice is 28. So folks are graduating and they're kind of floating around. They're going to college, maybe not succeeding there or wanting to stay there. Um, they go into, you know, retail, fast food. Um, and we end up being like almost their, you know, last resort, which is not ideal for us in the industry. We want to be first resort. Um, and then some of them have trouble with some of the entry tests for apprenticeship, like math, for example. If you don't plan out and really study your way into that test, like it's hard for some of the trades, especially like electricians. Um, so you have more to catch up to do, right? So with Build California, we're focusing primarily on that early high school, um, catching those, but also digging deeper and down into junior high and hopefully in the future elementary school too. We work with partners that, that do that already. Um, but yeah, it's... it's um, it's, it's a lot. And that's, again, why it is an industry-wide problem and it needs an industry-wide coalition and, and support and solution if we're really going to solve this people problem that we have for the long term. Yeah, agreed. What uh, is the, the storytelling aspect that, that you find is, is really resonating with the, the younger audiences and attracting them into construction? Oh, they like the money. They they love when we <laughs> show, show the like <laughs> exactly when we show how the first question they'll ask you at a job fair is how much can I make, right? So we have a lot of materials that are um, designed for that audience that are cool and flashy, but you know, on the back it has those details they need to know about the mm -hmm. the, the pay, you know, an average pay, um, and. The other piece is lifestyle. They're very um, focused on work-life balance and or just like what they can contribute, right? So mm. one of the things that we do on social for them is called day in the life. Um, so we'll actually have somebody who works in either the operations management side, to your point earlier, like this isn't just a skilled trades issue. This is across the board construction careers. We are you know, yeah. we are um, looking at shortage. Um, so we, you know, t take somebody who is working out on a, in the field or in their job and have them walk through from the time they get up in the morning to what they do when they're in their career on site. Um, and then we like to have them throw in like some personal details, like about their life or their family or their partners or um, truck they're driving, for example, because it's really like, who can you be? What can you do? And what can you have? if you're in mm -hmm. construction. And that's the storytelling that so far has resonated the most. Um, a lot of those day in the lives are saved on our Instagram that folks can go um, check out. Um, and we're planning a whole series of new innovative stuff for the fall. Because the other thing that I would say for folks who are thinking about doing a campaign or, or a program similar is you have to constantly evolve because your target on it constantly evolves. When we launched this in 2019, Gen Z had not yet experienced the pandemic. None of us had. And that had a major impact on this generation, right? So we had to pivot. Um, same thing with what Alpha was being said to be. And then now they're different because of the pandemic. So we're constantly keeping up on trends. Um, I have spies out there <laughs> of young kids are telling us what social platforms to be on, you know, when TikTok might go away. We're on TikTok, by the way. It's very exciting. Um, so yeah, you just have to stay, uh, you know, ahead and with that trend because otherwise you're not going to reach them where they are. And they're always right here on their phones, right? So yeah. um, it's important. 
Yeah, absolutely. So kind of expanding on that point, how have the conversations really changed over the, you know, from the last 10 years and where do you think the conversation is going to go in the, the next 10 years? On some level, I get disappointed because the conversations are the same, right? Like um, coming into 13 years ago, you know, I, I hit it right at the pan, right at the um, recession. So mm-hmm. I'm coming in bright and shiny saying, please invest in the next generation. <laughs> you need workers. They're like, right. We're trying to keep the doors open and our lights on, right? So not exactly a message. They knew the issue was there and that it's coming, but you can't really focus on it when you have so many other immediate issues in front of you. Once the work picked up and the economy picked up again, you know, then it's a scramble to me and my team about where's the workforce? Where can I find them? How's that going? Right. So um, that's changed a bit. Obviously, every time the economy or changes, you know, that changes the dialogue a bit. But the biggest change I've seen is the conversation around diversity and our industries need to be um, to 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 really participate and understand how it impacts our workforce and how we attract, develop, and retain um, for the short and the long term. By far, the biggest conversation and the change and that I've seen, um, our board um, had their very first in-depth conversation about that in 2020 following the murder of George Floyd. And I was surprised. I was in the room for the state board meeting. It was virtual, of course. And it came up in, like, in a really authentic, we know we want to do something, because this affects our workforce and our pipeline for the long term. I mean, it's the right thing to do, but we don't know how <laughs> or what it is that we should be doing. And we want to be informed. So I was tasked with um, creating a, a um, task force of folks who have been working in the DEI space across construction um, and have expertise in, in, in the how and the why. And they did a year long strategic planning session and they came back to our leaders and said, here's our recommendations for what you, AGC of California, should do and the lead you should play for the industry and what support and resources you should provide your contractors. Because at the end of the day, like I constantly tell them, Build California and our other efforts can bring people in all day long. We can, we can, we can shift the marketing, you know, game. We can find them. We can get them excited. We can take them from awareness to actually signing up for a job or a pre-apprenticeship. But are, is your company prepared to keep them? And and that that's a real conversation I think will continue, um, especially yeah, sure. when you see all those surveys out there. Gen Z, they don't just. It's not like it's a nice to have DEI and, and culture. It's a must because over eighty percent will walk if if you right. are not. You know, you're not, you don't have a company culture that aligns with their values in that area. Um, they have no problem or allegiance in terms of shifting and, and changing gears and finding an employer who does. So um, regardless of what folks might consider personal politics, it's really an issue of business um, um, solvency for the long term and how you are, are able to position yourself for doing the work and being able to bring in the money that the work has attached to it. So it's the future of our industry. That conversation is going to continue to evolve and how we do it or the why. Um, But at the end of the day, unlocking that and staying consistent with it is going to be important for our workforce game, specifically in California. I mean, I think this this varies depending on the the diversity breakdown you have in your state, but especially here, um, it's going to be a long-term um, issue and a current. Um, I just saw an article yesterday that said a lot of um, companies are actually um, sort of waning. You know, they picked up the DEI torch when it felt like you know the thing to do in the last couple of years, but now they're losing momentum and they're not really sure where to take it or how to move forward. And um, so that's across industries. But so I just really 
really encourage contractors to keep a, a an eye and a pulse on this. And if they don't know how or they are they're struggling with the how or the why, to reach out to folks who may be able to help um, a consultant. My staff, I have a full DEI staff now at AGC of California. They're happy to help folks, um, but it's it's critical, um, especially here. So those are the yeah. conversations that I like to have. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, those are good. Uh, adding a maybe a, a caveat to the, the culture aspect of it as well, too. I more than agree with it, but it, it has to be genuine and it has to be authentic. Oh, absolutely. Culture to it too. You can't just have it, you know, the values posted on the wall and, and then you do something totally away. different, which, yeah, yeah. which happens way more than it so should. Often. We talk a lot about, it can't be just check a box culture, right? Like it can't right. just be a flyer up on your wall in the break room. It can't. And also like we talk about the success rate uh, over 65% of Gen Z will gravitate to your company. If you have, um, um, racially ethnic, uh, diverse marketing materials, uh, mm -hmm. that was, uh, uh, Tala, I think survey, uh, last year. Um, but if you only do that and you get them in, they're going to be like, what? <laughs> yeah. I thought I was, yeah, it's going to do way more harm. Not. Exactly. Exactly. It has to be, and it has to be right for your company. That's the other thing. Like don't do it just to do it because you think that it's going to attract more workforce. But at the end of the day, it's just not in align with, with where you're going as a company. Um, but, but it is something that I would say to consider, um, as part of what, what you need to, to value moving forward. Yeah. So as a, as a whole, what is the industry, what are, the, what are they getting right? And what are they getting wrong when it comes to attracting a more diverse workforce? I think they're getting right um, the understanding that, you know, around the math, <laughs> like most folks understand, especially in California, that there are numbers to be had and they're, they're in specific communities that we don't currently have, right? Mm -hmm. Have in our industry in, in large numbers. I think people are aware of that. Um, I think the how is still, you know, sussing out for a lot of companies. And to your point, going past the check a box is, is, is of, of issue. And then back to the generational competency piece. I think there are some that have figured that out, but there are also a lot that still are recycling their recruitment efforts for generations like X and millennial and even boomer. <laughs> and they haven't evolved to this, um, to this uh, generation. And also with that, like um, being more negative about Gen Z and what they bring to the table versus all of the um, wonderful assets and way of thinking and diversity of thought that they bring to our industry. You know, it's easy to complain. I mean, I, you know, been there, done that as a Xer. <laughs> like what maybe is not the most, you know, fun part of that generation. I'm constantly talking about pick up the phone, you guys, like you can't text everybody. Like you have to pick up the phone and call people. Um, oh, that so hard. like that's, <laughs> right, it is, I mean, like, I, I get it, but you know, there's, there is something, there are some things that are easy to pick on and say, oh, well, this generation's just not for us. Well, then who is? Because they're 40% of the workforce now and they will be almost 80 in the next five years. So like you, you don't have anything else to pick from friends. So you're going to have to figure right. out how to really um, di dive into this generation and um, bring out of them, um, you know, the success metrics that we need uh, to be, um, you know, really uh, solvent for the, the long term. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's overcoming human nature a bit the, of the generational divides of, yeah. yes, it's different. Every generation is different than the one that came before it and every 
older generation always complains about the younger and but different <laughs> doesn't mean bad. Keep an open mind. No. They do it differently, but yeah. you might learn something. You could learn something incredible. And and the other, you know, piece of that too is yeah, a lot of this generational stuff is could be stereotype stereotypes, another set of them. But there's research that goes into this that indicates, you know, that there are specific characteristics or behaviors that tend to kind of cross over you know, a, a segment mm-hmm. of folks, but yeah, you're completely right. It's in our nature to, you know, complain. I'd say be good natured about it, <laughs> but don't close yourself off from all of the wonderful um, things that, that that generation can bring to you. If we find a way to adapt and how to get them in and how to teach them, because teaching Gen Z on the job site is very different than teaching, you know, boomers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so kind of that open mind philosophy is a, a core on innovation. That's one of the topics that we love to, to talk about here on, on Bridging the Gap. Uh, what does innovation mean to you? Oh, it just means taking something, um, looking at something differently and finding a solution that folks may not have thought of before to deliver an outcome that, you know, is, is shared. So for me, you know, I have a team that innovates every day and they surprise me all the time because they think of ways to do things that I would not have and that are far more successful than how I would have done it. Right. So it's, it's really that um, synergy of, of a group thought or even an individual um, thinking of how to solve a problem in a way that no one's thought of before um, and, and really making an impact. Yeah. I think that's the beauty of empowering a team and, and crowdsourcing the ideas too, because the yeah. the collective idea is always better than the <laughs> individual or Absolutely. it can go further than what the individual can. Absolutely. Uh, well, how do people find out more information on, on what you're doing and connect with you? Absolutely. So you can go to www.buildcalifornia.com to learn more about Build California and our um, work with the um, audience 12 to 24. Um, And you can also visit www.agc-ca.org and you can reach me through there or find me on LinkedIn. I have a lot of LinkedIn followers that I like to keep in touch with. Perfect. Well, Aaron, last question for you. If I could give you all power and you could snap your fingers and innovate one thing in the industry, what would you pick to innovate? Oh my gosh, that's so hard. I have so many ideas. Todd, come on. One thing. One thing. Wow. First thing that came into your mind. Ah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Actually, it would be um, the industry coming together around um, the people problem. You know, there's so many good programs and folks working on this in silos, but oftentimes we protect that thinking that it's a competition and it's not. Mm -hmm. So we are more powerful together. So if we could really just consolidate efforts and everybody come together and really focus resources and um, innovation of thought, um, I think that would make all the difference. Um, We're working on that, you know, collecting partners along the way. Um, but this bigger, broader, you know, coming together around this issue would be the most powerful thing we could do in the next 10 years. Yeah. I more than agree. And tying it back to your example of the army campaign, that yes. was the secret of their success. They, they came together as a, yes. a group and had a totally united front in order for construction to fix this. We have to 
do that same and thing investment well. because you yeah. know tv ads aren't cheap so so far right. i haven't been or and you know gen z doesn't even watch tv now so but <laughs> digital media even still it's very expensive so we're all working in our silos and you know we've spent millions in the last 10 years right um collectively over time in these efforts mm-hmm. i'm sure other i know a lot of organizations who have if we all came together with one consolidated message and um goal even state by state uh, and use those resources appropriately it's a it's a no-brainer it's a no-brainer and that's why we branded ourselves the way we did build california because you don't see agc anywhere on it we're not trying to own that it's it's more so about a movement that we're hoping students will want to join and be part of so anybody can join us be part of us um, help to support our efforts with funding and our other resources and you know we're happy to do that we're giving away you know, grant money to other organizations as well. So it really does need to be like, to your point earlier, like a crowdsourcing sharing opportunity to really, um, you know, kind of be that next army campaign of one and get folks in the industry the way we need to. Yeah. Love that. Love what you guys are, are doing out there. Uh, so keep up the, the great work for sure. We'll Make do. a big impact. <laughs> we'll do. Thanks so much for taking the time and, and joining us today, Erin. Thank you. Have a great day. And now it's time for my Todd takes from this episode. First take, it is imperative that we attract the next generation of workers. In order to do this successfully, we must meet them where they are, including the ways they like to receive information. I love that Build California is willing to try new innovative methods like even TikTok to evangelize the industry. Second take, when it comes to your culture and recruitment campaigns, it must be authentic to your company. Don't just check a box. People will see through that quickly and then you'll have a retention problem. And final take, as an industry, we need to take our cue from the army and create an industry-wide campaign that markets the benefits of the construction industry to those outside. If we are able to truly lock arms with each other throughout the industry, we will be able to make huge strides in turning around misconceptions and win over the champions we need. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you are interested in learning more, you can visit our sponsor, Applied Software Great Tech Group at asti.com for more information. You can listen to this podcast anytime by simply going to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out our website, bridgingthegappod.com. As always, I'm Todd Wyant, thanking you for joining the conversation to model the future on the Bridging the Gap podcast. Keep innovating. Bridging the Gap is hosted, directed, and produced by Todd Wyant, edited and produced by Eric Daniel. Bridging the Gap is an Applied Software Great Tech Group production, copyright Applied Software Great Tech Group 2023.